Hello, and welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin's online worship service, where we gather virtually and in spirit every Sunday morning. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Chris Jimerson, Minister for Program Development at the Church, and I welcome each of you here this morning. I especially want to welcome you if you're new to the church. Please scroll up on Facebook or look in the comments. There's a link to an online form you can fill fill out to let us know a little more about you. Also, please, if you have the ability to do comments, please say hello and let us know from where you're watching. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. Let's connect those divine sparks now, either by greeting each other in the comments or simply by feeling the heartstring connections that bind us together. Join me as we light our chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Alan Watts was a white British-born writer and speaker known for interpreting and popularizing Buddhism, Taoism, and Hinduism for a Western audience in the mid-20th century. Our call to worship comes from his book, Zen and the Beat Way. He wrote, It's interesting the Hindus, when they speak of the creation of the universe, do not call it the work of God. They call it the play of God. The Vishnu Lila. Lila meaning play. And they look upon the whole manifestation of the universe as all the universes, as play, as sport, as a kind of dance. that helps us feel connected even during this time when we haven't been able to come together for worship in person each Sunday is to have a common purpose. And for First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, that common purpose is our mission. We carry it in our heart throughout the week and we say it together every Sunday. Let's do so now. Together, 
we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Each week, to dive deeper into what we mean by that phrase, beloved community, and what challenges we may face in trying to build it, especially for those of us who may carry one form of privilege or another, we've been having a moment for beloved community. Today, I want to talk about the devastation that our trans and gender non-conforming siblings are experiencing. For example, Penelope Diaz was a trans woman. Her loved ones say she was a wonderful dancer and a supportive and wonderful friend. She was found beaten and hanged after wrongfully being placed in a men's detention facility. Trans murders occurred at a record pace in 2020. In 2021, we are already double the pace of such murders from last year. Our trans and gender non-conforming siblings are four times more likely to be physically attacked than our cis people. So for those of us who are cis, let us think about this. Because far too many of our trans siblings experience misnaming, misgendering, vocal attacks. Even more so, though, far too many have to live in fear of being physically attacked and even having their very lives stolen from them. So let's spend some time thinking about what living in that kind of fear must be like. These are the words of Diane Ackerman, who is a white American poet, essayist, and naturalist. In rare moments of deep play, we can lay aside our sense of self, shed time's continuum, ignore pain, and sit quietly in the absolute present. Watching the world's ordinary miracles no mind or heart hobbies, no analyzing or explaining, no questing for logic, no promises, no goals, no relationships, no worry. One is completely open to whatever drama might unfold. This is the time in our service when we center ourselves together. We breathe together. Some of us meditate. Some pray. Some simply concentrate on our breathing. We breathe together. And breathing together we feel those heartstring connections that bind us together and help us to turn virtual space into beloved religious community. Breathing together, we will enter a time of silence together, a sacred silence which we share each week.
We will now have some music during which I invite you to continue your meditative breathing and, if you so wish, to light a candle symbolizing sorrows, joys, remembrances, hopes. My maternal grandmother was kind of a demigoddess when it came to growing plant life. She could grow anything that had even a small chance of surviving in the hot, humid, extremely rainy town in southeast Texas where I grew up. Her wraparound porch was filled with potted and hanging plants. She also filled the greenhouse that my grandfather had built for her. Their home and yard were lined with flower beds she had created. And she loved to plant things throughout the yard and created a vegetable garden every year. Now, to prepare and loosen up the gumbo-like soil in her yard for putting in a new plant, she didn't use gardening tools. Oh, no. Instead, she would chop at the dirt with a giant, rusty old butcher knife. She always said that the butcher knife just worked better than standard gardening tools. But I was watching her do this one day, and I playfully suggested... I know you say it works better, but I believe you use that butcher knife because you just think it's more fun. And I think you enjoy the effect it has on people who pass by your yard and see you doing it. She giggled a little and replied, Well, no one messes with me, that's for sure. This month, the church is exploring the spirituality of play. And I've been very drawn to this topic, perhaps at least in part because I'm very fortunate that both my maternal grandparents and my mom modeled for me engaging in play through all ages in life. Whether it was using humor, 
camping, hiking, enjoying nature, putting together an impromptu tag football game when the larger family got together for special occasions, or stabbing at the ground with a rusty old butcher knife, they not only showed me that play was acceptable at any age, they taught me that play is a vital part of our well-being. And scientific research has borne this out. I'll come back to that research in a bit, but first, I'd like to address a few things directly related to this church and our experiences over the past several months. As we have all gone through the compounding traumas of the pandemic, the insurrection, the deep winter freeze, and it seems on and on, many of you have heard both ministers talk about the importance of allowing ourselves to feel the emotions that may have come up because of all this. So, too, each week we've been doing a moment for beloved community to encourage serious contemplation and commitment to the need to dismantle systems of white supremacy and other forms of oppression. We have a number of folks in the church who are fiercely committed to doing the hard work of social action and protecting our environment. And that seriousness... That allowing ourselves to experience our feelings, that fierceness and commitment, all are necessary. We will never be able to sustain all of that, though. We risk losing our resilience if we do not allow ourselves the gift of play, of humor, of joy, of giving and receiving love. The family that plays together, stays together. Such is also true of our church family. Playfulness. Playfulness is a vital route toward joy and expressing and enhancing love. That's why I think this month's topic is so crucial. Dr. Stuart Brown is a psychiatrist, researcher, founder of the National Institute for Play, and author of many scientific articles and books such as Play, How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, and Invigorates the Soul. He got interested in the study of play in 1966 when, as a young professor here at University of Texas, Austin, he was charged with studying what might have motivated motivated Charles Whitman, who went up in the UT Austin Tower and started shooting, killing 17 people and wounding 41 others. Working with other researchers, Brown found that Whitman had been forbidden to play by his overbearing father. They then studied other people who had committed such murders and who, like Whitman, had no previous criminal record. They found that 90% of these people had also been starved of play as children. He and other researchers since, since then have found that play is key to children bonding and develop, developing empathy, as well as forming cognitive, social, emotional, and physical motor skills. Much of the same is actually also true in animals, particularly other mammals, as well as birds. They have also found that playing as adults has a myriad of benefits. It can prevent us from feeling stressed out, dull, lifeless. It can enhance our creativity, 
It has many psychological and physical benefits, such as reducing stress, anxiety, and depression, and lowering heart rate and blood pressure. Folks who play together have been found to actually form deeper relationships, as we're more likely to share more about ourselves during play. In fact, Dr. Brown and others have integrated play into both individual and group therapy and found greater improvements because of this. So, what does play look like in adults? Well, Dr. Brown says that it is pretty much anything we do for which, one, our only purpose is the pleasure we get from it, and two, that gives us some potential for gaining a sense of being outside of time. Well, by this definition, play for adults could include live theater, movies, music, dancing, reading, creating art, long hours in the woodworking shop, gardening, sitting at a pottery wheel, sewing or knitting as just a few examples, having ice cream or a burrito for breakfast just for fun. Soccer legend David Beckham says he plays with Lego pieces. There's a book called Games for the Soul, 40 Playful Ways to Find Fun and Fulfillment in a Stressful World by Drew Leader that has some great other suggestions for play. And games and sports can also be forms of play. Interestingly, though, researchers have found that we get the most benefits from these if we do them just for the pleasure of it and not to best other people. For example, if one person is stronger or just more experienced with playing, say, tennis or Monopoly. Both people derive greater enjoyment and benefits if the stronger or more experienced person dials it back so that the match is more even. I want to let Dr. Brown tell you about an example of this among animals. North of Churchill, Manitoba, in October and November, there's no ice on Hudson Bay. And this polar bear that you see is 1,200-pound male. He's wild and fairly hungry. And Norbert Rossing, a German photographer, is there on scene making a series of photos of these huskies who are tethered. And from out of stage left comes this wild male polar bear with a predatory gaze. Any of you have been to Africa or uh, had a junkyard dog come after you, there is a fixed kind of predatory gaze that you know you're in trouble. But on the other side of that predatory gaze is a female husky in a play bow wagging her tail. And something very unusual happens. That fixed behavior, which is rigid and stereotyped and ends up with a meal, changes. And this polar bear stands over the husky, no claws extended, no fangs, taking a look, and they begin an incredible ballet. A play ballet. This is in nature. It overrides the carnivorous nature and what otherwise would have been a short fight to the death. And if you'll begin to look closely at the husky that's bearing her throat to the polar bear and look a little more closely, they're in an altered state. They're in a state of play. And it's that state that allows these two creatures to explore the possible. They are beginning to do something that neither would have done without the play signals. 
and it is a marvelous example of how a differential in power can be overridden by a process of nature that's within all of us. That was a big old bear. Another aspect of play is that we can use a sense of fun to motivate healthier, more desirable behavior in ourselves and in others. Finally, I want to share with you how play can help sustain our social justice activities. Among several justice movements, especially those led by people of color, folks within the movement are supporting one another by providing each other with group opportunities to experience fun and joy. It builds the resilience of the people within these movements, movements and thereby the movements themselves. People are also infusing social justice protest with a sense of theater and humor. For example, Church Ladies for Choice, a mixture of women and gay men in drag, protected clients entering a Brooklyn reproductive health clinic from far-right anti-choice activists by getting between those activists and the clients, playing tambourines and singing songs such as This Womb is My Womb to the melody of This Land is My Land. At one international AIDS conference my spouse Wayne and I attended many years ago, a group of French activists staged a protest at the French Ministry of Health's booth over the ministry's lack of adequately addressing the disease. They staged this over-the-top, totally melodramatic die-in. They grabbed pamphlets from the booth and tossed them in the air as they turned in circles and slowly crumpled to the floor where, where they all lay there dead for just a brief moment. Then one of them sat up, said something like, well, that's that, and they all casually got up and walked away. Here's one final video about how an ingenious activist protested the border wall by helping people connect through playing together despite the wall. Are you gonna sleep? Are you gonna sleep? Anybody? Anybody? both within and outside 45's government, which makes me happy. I'll close by going back to the intrinsic spirituality of play. I'll leave you with Dr. Brown's words when he was asked about this. He said, I have some sense that this is God's way of evolving, of things evolving in our biological universe that some of the driving force behind change is embodied in this, this emergent property, this self-organizing system that tends to captivate the nervous system and the behavior of humans that I call play. Preach it, Dr. Brown. Preach it.
there now be an offering to help support the mission and ministries of this church? If you scroll up on Facebook or go to austinuu.org, you will see a link that will take you to our online secure contributions page. You can also mail your contributions to the church, 4700 Grover Avenue, Austin, Texas, 78756. We are gratefully checking the mail and making deposits each week. I have a couple of things to let you know about that we may want to celebrate today. First, yesterday, June 19th, was Juneteenth, the annual celebration of emancipation in the U.S., the end of slavery. Well, Congress passed a bill recently, and our president signed it, making Juneteenth a national holiday. About time. Also to celebrate, our own church member, Donna Howard, was recently named among the best Texas legislators by Texas Monthly Magazine. Congrats, Donna. You go, girl. Join me as we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. As we come to the end of our service and go back into our daily lives, here is my wish for you. Go outside and play. Or if it's too hot outside, play inside. If you're a parent with children, make some time for some family fun. I wish you peace. I send you much love. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.